Hey, everybody, before we start this episode of Habitually Disruptive, episode 17, I want to tell you a little bit about one of our partners, Quetzal Education Consulting. Quetzal Education Consulting is a queer, Black, and Indigenous woman-owned firm offering anti-racist consulting, PD coaching, keynotes, workshops, and more. They are all that and that bag of chips. Uh, their newly released abolitionist teaching workshop series coaches and prepares teachers to further develop ab abolitionist practices in the classroom. Find out why they have been called, quote, the future of educational justice by Dr. Bettina L. Love. Yeah, her to her. Um, you can book a free consultation with Quetzal by calling 510-397-8011 or visizing quetzalec.com. That's quetzalec.com. And if you mention you heard about them through Tudo Productions, you will receive a 5% discount on their Abolitionist Teaching PD series. Once again, you can book them by visiting quetzalec.com on their Connect With Us page. Yo, what's up, everybody? It is me, Gerardo Munoz, your 2021 Colorado Teacher of the Year. I am your critical conscience. I am your philosopher king. I'm here to bring you ill literacy, ill behavior, ill legitimacy, and of course, some ill-advised disruptive actions. And I'm super excited for this episode that we're bringing you today. I am here with the homegirl. The homegirl, um, man, this, so this is my dear friend, uh, Gina Nelson. Uh, Gina is, um, is one of the state teachers of the year. Now I read somewhere that you're 2020, but you were kicking it with us 2021. So how does that work? Is that academic year? So for Oklahoma, we actually were kind of a year behind. Uh, so the 2020, I am the 2020 Oklahoma Teacher of the Year, but my year doesn't start until July 1st of that following. So I would be oh, I with got you. You guys in that cohort. Yeah, so it's like it's it's like at the end of the process where the rest of us, it's like the beginning of the process. Well, Gina, I'm going to call you the 2021 Oklahoma Teacher of the Year because you were with the 21s. Um, Gina is just one of the most amazing people that I've had a chance to be in community with. I was just telling her off mic that um, she is a person that um, that just always, like, I'm a negative person, y'all. You know this. I'm a negative complaining person, and Gina always makes me smile. Uh, Gina, welcome to Habitually Disruptive. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, my dear friend. And I think that you are amazing. So I don't think you're negative at all. In fact, you are <laughs> changing the world and changing lives every day. And I know you've changed mine. So uh, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, man, I, I just appreciate that so much. So um, so this is going to be great. So we are. Um, so as we are speaking, uh, Gina is watching election returns in Oklahoma. Is that the case? Yeah, man. So um, it is. And this is actually an election night pod, which I think is sort of um, appropriate. We we uh, we have a very small uh, primary election here in Denver. Um, and in Colorado, uh, none of the seats are being seriously contested. And so mostly we are watching one party fight amongst themselves uh, while we kind of figure out what's going on. So um, we're going to do this in kind of three segments. Um, the first thing, Gina, just tell us a little bit about um, who you are, how you came to be a teacher. In the second segment, we'll have you talk a little bit about this incredible decision you made uh, to seek elected office in Oklahoma. And man, there's so much 
to that. And then in the third segment, which is like the most important segment, um, I'm going to ask you to give me your top five anything. And I'll give you a little bit of an overview of what a top five can be. So it can be anything. So we'll, we'll kind of do that. Does that sound good to you? Sounds great. I'm excited. And also, Claudia, uh, there's a non-zero chance that my spouse, Claudia, will be crashing this meeting to say hello to you because she adores you. Well, I um, adore her. That's fantastic. (laughs) All right. That's beautiful. All right. So, um, you know, we got a chance to get to know each other a little bit from Space Camp to Washington Week to Indianapolis at the National Championship. But Gina, tell us a little bit about your path into education. Where did you come from? What was it that kind of led you to want to enter the education field? Well, sure. I I mean, I would say that my pathway is a little unconventional. I actually, um, I grew up in one of the poorest areas of Oklahoma. um, And I grew up in a household that was not steeped in love, but in a lot of trauma and uh, mental abuse, physical abuse, a lot of fear. Um, And so for for me, the only safe place that I found was in public school. And that's where the consistency started. And my life was really changed by an educator when I was in high school because he had seen all of the choices that I was making and I was actually ready to make a really bad choice. And he stopped me and redirected me. And by taking that notice of me and getting me involved in his drama class, it changed my life. And so it put me on a pathway from trauma to a pathway to success and hope. And so I graduated and I was the first in my family to go to college because of him. And that very same year, he was the first, he was the first in our school to actually become the Oklahoma teacher of the year. Uh, And so, uh, you know, and just fast forwarding a little bit, when I was named the Oklahoma Teacher of the Year, he was the first person Gerardo, who met. Oh. He just he met me off the stage and he wrapped me up, and he was just like, "They'll never know what you had to go through. They'll never know." And so, oh man, you know, so that inspiration, you know, kind of set the tone for for me on my pathway of success and. Even though I didn't go into college for teaching, right. there was just always this, um, this passion for learning. And so I actually graduated with a theater degree and uh, started working as an actor, as a casting agent, and uh, got a call one day um, when I was teaching, uh, was, sorry, when I was um, working in Baton Rouge. And this group said, hey, would you guys, someone send someone to this boys and girls club to come and do some acting lessons and nobody wanted to. And I said, well, I, I'll do it. I'd never done anything like that, but I said, like, oh yeah, I, I you know, I, I would love to. And it was just like that moment where the click happens. Wow. I realized that's where I'm supposed to be. Those kids were healing that last part of me, that last part of trauma where my teacher got me forward. And then I started that healing through theater, through the arts, through music. Those kids healed the rest of me. And then that that just kind of set me on the path to education. I, I got alternatively certified. I took all the classes and I became a teacher. And there's this great quote by Rogers and Hammerstein in The King and I that says, by our pupils, you will be taught. And that, that has been my whole mantra is that even though I was their teacher, 
they taught me so much more. And I think that that is still my, my education mantra is by my pupils, I'll be taught. Yeah. I, I so appreciate you uh, naming that because I think, I think that that's how I felt for a really long time. And I definitely like, I would often say to people, it's like, I feel like I'm getting the better end of this deal. Like, I feel like I'm getting way more from the kids than I could ever give to them. And that my students did provide opportunities for healing and radical imagination and, and that kind of thing. And so it's really amazing to hear you say that. And it makes me think of Paulo Freire's sort of um, argument that it, the ideal learning situation is when um, the student can be teacher and the teacher can be student. And it's that kind of um, that, that symbiotic sort of relationship. Um, and I also want to, uh, you know, not for nothing, also say that, I mean, alternative licensed teachers are the best. Like I came in <laughs> through an alternative licensure. This is the obligatory time that I say that I majored in history and Latin American studies. And then I got turned down for Teach for America, um, which is fine. It's fine looking back, but they turned me down. And so I went into teaching. I didn't have an opportunity to go back to school for teaching. So I didn't, I did this kind of on the job training thing that we, that we did and, um, and kind of moved into like I was teaching and taking classes and all that kind of thing. So alternative licensed teachers are the best. Um, let me ask you something really quickly, because we also, we, we share this affinity for the performing arts and for theater. I was a theater kid. Uh, you went a little bit further with it. I chickened out. I got into a couple of theater programs uh, for college. And then because of the lack of representation, I was able to talk myself out of taking those, those opportunities. Um, what was it about theater that was so healing and saving for you? Oh my gosh. It was being able to see myself in a different light, but using those emotions that I couldn't really come to turn with, with through my abuse and just expressing it through those characters, either through their rage or their sadness or their hopefulness. And, you know, I, I honestly, Harada, the first piece that I ever took to competition in high school was from a Greek play and it was Medea. And obviously, oh, wow. and, oh, you got me. Know, there's a lot of emotions in that there's show. There's a lot of emotion, <laughs> a lot of just rage. And I remember taking that to, to competition and then absolutely just being exhausted, but just almost feeling cathartic as well. Um, about what, you know, what was going on, even though I could not relate to what she was going through, but well, just, sure, sure. just the, just the pain yeah. and being able to express it. And then of course their musical theater, I mean, music just heals your soul. And yeah. so every character that I played, every, every song that I've ever sang, th there's just a part of healing that comes with that. Wow. And so, you know, for me, make you know definitely making sure that every kid has access to the arts is so important to me because it is it is healing in ways that our our core curriculum can never do that's right that's right um what what is the subject that you were teaching um i was the student support coordinator um and so I was teaching all tier three students. So kids that they're not on IEPs, but they yeah. either struggle with behavior or academics. And so I would work with them and developing a, a three point program. Um, I'm actually gonna go back to the classroom in August. I, I know, <laughs> I know, but you know, with the shortage that's going on, my, my teacher heart says, get back in there. So I'm gonna be in a different school district, but I'm gonna be teaching English. Um, and helping kids and campaigning at the same time. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. But 
Um, you know, like I said, it, the kids are worth it. And you were talking about how great and amazing the kids are. They are kids to me are perpetual hope. Yeah. They are perpetual hope. I see and, that. I see that. And, and we've got to connect with that as much as we can. Yeah. Uh, that that that's so deep and i and as you kind of describe what your what your uh what your life's gonna look like in a in a couple of short months i feel like you um might be the only person uh crazier than me when it comes to uh, <laughs> trying to get all the things done but but I, and and, and i was and i say that i say that because it, folks you gotta know that whenever i would see gina at things like yo gina how you doing and your answer is always i'm crazy as ever get crazier about <laughs> <laughs> so it's great. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, how, how wonderful for those students to be in your presence, because you really do exude this energy and this loving support. And just like, you're just a person that one cannot be around without just getting caught up in the energy. And I think that's going to be a beautiful thing. Um, in this uh, next Senate, uh, segment, uh, Senate, whoa, that was a little Freudian slip, right? In this next segment, we're going to move into um, Gina's move. She mentioned that she is campaigning. We're going to talk about that in just a bit. Stay with us. All right, back here on Habitually Disruptive, I am Gerardo Munoz, and if for some reason you just start podcasts a third of the way through, uh, we are here talking to Gina Nelson, 2020-2021 Oklahoma Teacher of the Year, um, and we were talking a little bit about this campaign. So um, back in March, and you know, a, a few of us sort of had this inkling. Um, I remember uh, us exchanging messages, and you're like, I'm going to do a thing. I'm not telling you what it is yet. You, I'll announce soon. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't think I ever had a doubt about what this thing was. So um, Gina decided to run for Oklahoma State superintendent um, back in March of 2022. Now, th this is massive because you were the first, re first non-Republican ever to run for this position. Is that right? No, there are the I, only one this year. I'm the I'm only one um, in this uh, <laughs> in this cycle on the Democrat ticket. So um, I actually tonight is uh, the primary. So it's I don't the have primary. a primary. It's the primary. So I don't have a primary opponent. Uh, and so I'm looking to see who I'm running against or if there's going to be a runoff. It looks like there may be actually a runoff. But yes, yeah, so I am the only one on this ticket and it is a state, uh, state sorry, statewide race um, yeah. in all 77 counties in Oklahoma. Wow, this is huge. And, um, you know, I, I guess there are, there are elegant ways to ask this question, but I guess the way I would just ask it is, why? <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I ask that question about 20 times a day. I, I mean, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a very sensitive person. And so the kinds of things that you have had to deal with, and we don't need to necessarily go through them if you don't want to, but the things that you've had to deal with, those, those are things which is break my fragile little cis hetero male spirit. Um, and so, um, so what is it that called you to say, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something that has a wider impact because you're going, you would be going into this position that is highly contentious in your state, and um, and, and in a in an environment across the nation that's highly contentious. So, talk to me a little bit about what led to this decision. Well, sure. So, um, 
as you know, uh, being the state teacher of the year during probably the, one of the most tumultuous, uh, tumultuous, sorry, can't even talk yeah. tonight. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's that tumultuous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, times and education. I mean, really and truly, anyone who has not been in education the last two years, it is very hard to explain to them what is going on, not only as teachers, as parents, as, um, you know, in, in watching our students as well. Yeah. And so um, back in January, I had already started writing a ton of recommendation letters for other teachers in the state, great teachers, amazing teachers. Um, and they wanted to go and do other things, but yeah. they wanted me, hey, will you write this? And it would just break my heart every single time. And at the same time I'm doing this, I started working on the TED Talk for um, CCSSO. We started going through that whole program of writing through our TED Talks. Yep. And I got to a point in my TED Talk where I was writing and I said, we cannot be complacent in our pedagogy. We cannot be complacent in our empathy and we cannot be complacent in our advocacy. And then I stopped and that looked at it and then I looked at everything else that I'd written about my, my life and the teacher that saved my life and the teacher who said, it is important that when others do not have a voice that you use yours. And it was just like this snowball moment of everything that was going on in Oklahoma. Teachers were leaving, teachers were being disrespected. The rhetoric was ramping up. And I just said, I've had enough. If no one is going to stand up, if no one else is going to speak on behalf of our teachers and our kids and our families, that enough is enough of this. And no one wants to protect our public schools and, and no one wants to stop this rhetoric and stop the vouchers and every other piece of legislation that hurts our communities, then it's gotta be me. Um, because at least I will have a chance to tell the truth about what is going on in public education in our state across the nation as well. And so we had a family vote and all of them said, yep, we gotta do this. Wow. And uh, we had the vote and I said, if any of you wanna say no, I will not do this. Yeah. And so every single one of my family members said yes. And so we started talking to people and here I am <laughs> on the ballot in November, Nelson in November, uh, to run for the state superintendent of public instruction and try to help um, the people of the state that I love very dearly. Wow. That, that's deep because I, I, you know, I feel like uh, you, you and I were both in the room when uh, Congresswoman Johanna Hayes spoke to us in Washington, D.C., and do you remember the biblical verse that she, can you, yeah. I, I, I will butcher I, it. No, no, no. It, it punched me in a gut because that was kind of like the first, like the tremor that starts happening. And I was like, nope. And I was like, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. Because she looked directly and I felt like it was directly at me and my soul. <laughs> I'm sure we all felt that way, but she looked at this and she said it in Esther 414, perhaps you were born for such a time as this. Yeah. And that, I think at just, that point, I'm like, nah, you, she ain't talking to me. <laughs> yes, she is. Oh, yes, she was. <laughs> <laughs> she was talking to every single one of us, yeah. I think, in that room, whatever we, we did, you know, decided to do, because we, we really are just in crisis mode. 
in public education across the country. And so each of us, I felt were given a charge, whatever that charge was in our heart. Yeah. And I think that we are all now kind of developing those plans slowly, but surely on what that charge is going to look like for each of us. But there, I think there was a charge given to us. It, it's incredible. And uh, my my friend Hillary Wimmer, who is the 2020 Colorado Teacher of the Year, we joke that she was the pandemic teacher of the year. I was a pandemonium teacher of the year because I really think that that's kind of it really captures a lot of what's going on. But, you know, I think I think that what what you have chosen to do is so powerfully disruptive for a couple of reasons. You know, the first thing is um, I feel like there's definitely a tone of shut up and teach when it comes to us as classroom teachers, that we are needed when it comes to interacting with students every single day, but we're not given the respect to be at the table when um, when decisions are being made and we're not put in charge of anything. And, you know, I remember having a conversation with a person I know when I had expressed interest in going into some DEI work and this person told me, well, you know, yeah, you're a great teacher. I know how smart you are, but you're going to go into DEI spaces and, you know, they're really not even going to look at you. You're not going to be able to get X, Y, and Z. And, and you know, unfortunately, that that kind of attitude towards teachers is really true. There's a there's a real um, negative outlook on us. There's, there's a lack of respect for the intellectual decision-making, um, you know, possibility we have. And, you know, and the other thing is, you know, we, we all signed contracts when we started that would sort of limit our political participation and our political profile as we work. And you just kind of said, nah, this is going to be what I do. And so I think that'll be really, really interesting. T- tell me a little bit about the job of um, superintendent of public instruction. What, what would you, um, what would you be steering? What would you be a part of? What is that table that you would be sitting at? It's a big big table. Um, And so um, basically that superintendent um, is going to be over curriculum. We're going to be talking about making sure that the 700,000 Oklahoma public school kids are taken care of. We're We're looking at teachers. We're looking at the budget the budget of education. We are looking at policy. We are everything basically that deals with um, education. Uh, The superintendent also sits on the board of regents at many of the universities. So there's also that charge that also comes along with it. Um, Also, you know, one of the voting members uh, at the state board of education. And this is what's interesting. I want to mention this too, um, because I know it's different state to state. The state superintendent of Oklahoma is elected. But all of the state board members are appointed by the governor. So whoever your governor is in Oklahoma and whatever, um, you know, just ideas and uh, things that that governor wants, then that board will vote on it. So, but the superintendent gets a vote um, and also, you know, gets to work with all the superintendents across the state, principals, everyone. Um, So it, it is a huge job. Yeah. But it is a job, like you were talking about with educators, and I and I want to mention this too because I'm not the only person who has done this kind of thing, crazy thing. Actually, the state superintendent of Arizona was a classroom teacher, and she won. And she and I have been talking, and she just keeps reminding me, Gina, wherever education decisions are made, an educator needs to be at that table. 
And so for me, I, I know, you know, a lot of people right now are throwing out, well, she's not a superintendent. She's not a principal. You're right. But I have worked on well, policy. And, and, we I have, have worked on- and we have plenty of those people. Like we have plenty yes. of, you know, yes. Paulo Freire. It is time to make, it is time to move forward with in a new direction. The pandemic has shown us where the gaps are and That's it right. shows that we need a new way of thinking, a new direction. We cannot, we're not going back to February, 2020. No. We're never going back there. We have to have innovative ways. And that's where I come in with not only working in policy in Oklahoma, but of course, with all of you across the nation. Yeah. And I see the things that are working and not working in different places and taking those ideas and moving our children for uh, forward. Our 21st century kids need a 21st century curriculum and they need someone who is not afraid to try and make things work and really focus on that career ready, a career readiness training and getting them ready for whatever it is that they want to do. And we cannot do the same old thing and expect new results. And so that's where I come in. Dang, I wish I could vote in this election. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure there are ways that are not legal, so I'm not going to try that. But no, no, we don't do those things. Not going to do that. Not going to do that. No. And I wouldn't even know what to do. Um, so here's a question that I'll ask you, like, as I think about, I mean, I, I, I live in Colorado. It's, you know, I, I don't know much about Oklahoma. I know some things about it. Um, my, matter of fact, my daughter, uh, who you met, um, was, uh, <laughs> she, she found a map online and she drew on it and she labeled all the states that she actually knows where they are. And I was like, well, you know where New York is. She's like, no, I know what New York is. <laughs> I don't know where it is. And, um, and I think Oklahoma is one of those states that she's like, I've heard of it. I know things about it. I just don't know where it is. Um, so tell me a little bit about who are, who are the voters that you are really hoping to reach and connect with? Who are you, who is it that you're like, man, if I can just get two minutes with you, like to, to mm -hmm. think about me as a candidate, who are those voters? Well, you know, I want, I want to first start with the area that's always neglected, which is the rural areas, because yeah. I grew up in a rural area. I'm, I'm the little girl from Broken Bow, Oklahoma, where there's probably more cows than people. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and I want to remind people that, yeah, I am a dirt road Democrat. I grew up on a dirt road. Um, we, I, I have the same, a lot of the same Oklahoma values that all of you do. I believe in hard work and work ethic. And I believe in, in treating your neighbors with respect and, and, and getting along and working toward taking care of people. That is the Oklahoma standard. And so that's why I just want to remind people is that, you know, just because you see a letter in front of my name, it does not mean that you can put, you know, pigeonhole me because yeah. I'm, I'm very, very different because I grew up. I know exactly what you're going through because I've been through it. And, and I will verify this. I, I can verify that whatever you think, Gina, is you do not have the whole story um, because every time I'm around you, I learn something else. It's super dope about you. So, so you're, you're talking about like how, yes, there's a letter because the, the reality of the situation is we have a two party system and the way that you access change is is um, is by getting into the spaces that are going to be the most effective. Yeah, talk, have a, I always say to people, look past the letter and get to know me better, okay? Because- I look at you with bars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really and truly, because after a while, people will even say, wait, are you a Republican or a Democrat? And I said, you know what? I'm Gina, and I'm gonna care about your kids. I'm gonna care about our state. 
And that's, that's what I'm doing here. That's why I'm putting my name on this ballot is because I care so much and I want to make sure that things are better for everyone. Because yeah. you know what? Education is not a Democrat or Republican issue. It's an issue that affects everyone. And every kid that comes in our class is not a Republican or a Democrat. They're kids. Yeah. And our job is to make sure that they have the best education possible. And that's, that's what I'm going to do. Whether, you know, whether, you know, someone decides to vote for me or not, I'm going to still do the very best job I can for them too. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think um, it's, it's just super exciting. And what, what's also exciting is like knowing that you're watching these returns right now and knowing that, you know, you'll know who your opponent is soon. Um, before we get to the third and final segment, um, how, um, how can people support you? How can people kind of uh, get amplify your name, especially for those of us who love and adore you and who are not in Oklahoma? Um, and that's okay because um, you, you can't vote, but you can support. And so if you go to nelsonforoklahoma.com, so it's N-E-L-S-O-N-F-O-R-O-K-L-A-H-O-M-A.com. <laughs> she breaks into then, a musical number. This is great. You know, there you go. Then you can you can go and donate. And, you know, there is not an amount that's like, oh, that's too little. Everything costs money in this campaign because I'm, you know, having to buy flyers and there's mailers and postage and signs and all of these things. And uh, goodness, you know, as we head into the final thing, television ads and YouTube ads. So yeah. every little bit adds up. So if you believe in public education, if you believe in supporting people who value public education, I don't care if you're in Colorado, Alaska, Florida, you know, head on over to my website and uh, make that donation or, you know, send me an email, ask me questions. Let, let me earn that dollar. Let me earn that vote if you're in Oklahoma. Yeah. And, and you really go to the website. Like some of my favorite features of the website, your chickens. That's, I know. <laughs> that's amazing. And, you know, my sister has chickens and, um, and I remember um, her handing me one and they creeped me out at first. Like, I'm like, I don't want to hold a chicken. She's like, no. She's like, yeah. Cause like, I don't want to, I don't want to hold this chicken. And then she put it in my arms. I'm like, Oh, that is so nice. You're so soft. It's great. Um, also, you can learn about uh, what some of Gina's favorite books are um, and these other really important positions. So I think that's going to be really important. So, and, and I'll tell you right now, on behalf of Two Dope uh, Productions, if you send us um, social media material, we'll go ahead and uh, share that widely. Um, oh, thank you. you know, we got people listening to us across the country and across the planet, um, actually. And so um, we would love to support in any way that we can. And, uh, you know, what would be great is to get you on the show with Kevin when we kind of get down to down to the dog days and make that happen. So let's do, uh, it. Let's do it. Definitely. So um, so you expect to win. I, I do. Um, and, and, you know, that's not just because I'm talking to you, but. I, just like I talk about the perpetual hope that our students give, I believe that we've had so many things go on in our country that are just not right. It's not who we are. I really believe that. And, I, and I'm not a Pollyanna. I'm, a, I'm really a realist. And I, I look at things in a, in a very realistic way. And if I honestly, I, if I didn't think that I had a chance, and I didn't think I couldn't pull this off. I would not be doing this at all. Yeah. I could go back to my classroom and just, you know, live my life. But Fine, yeah. Sometimes you, yeah, you got to stick your neck out there sometimes for the things that you know are right. And our kids 
and our teachers are everything that is right in my state and in our country. And they deserve to have their voices amplified. And with me at the State Department of Education, our teachers will always have a voice at the State Department. Always. Man, thank you so much for that. Ah, that's that's incredible. And I'll and I will tell you that um that there's there's a great saying that comes out of organizing, which is when we fight, we win. And so I w- I would say to you that you have won a victory already um, by engaging in the fight. And, and I think that we learn as we engage in the fight. And it's just been amazing to, you know, what it, in the, um, in the odd situation when I'm able to catch up with you um, the, to, to just see how, how much wisdom you're accumulating over the course of this process. And, um, and it's amazing. And I think you will win. I think that's, I, I think that we are living in times that are unpredictable. We are living in times like systems are systems, right? But systems are upheld by individuals and individuals can always make choices to disrupt those systems. So, um, so just super excited for your candidacy. Can't wait till November. Thank you. I can't wait because you know what? I will learn all the things I can learn and then I will help you when you decide to open (laughs) that door. (laughs) There must be somebody else in the room right now. Not at all. Not at all. I just gotta like not be so sensitive. All right, so uh, we're um, we're gonna move on to our third segment, and I kind of sprung this on you. Like I didn't really tell you that this is something that we do on habitually disruptive, um, okay. but what we do is something called top five anything. So what you do is you come up with your favorite five of anything. It could be, so Christy Borish, who, you know, uh, Montana teacher of the year, um, did her top five reasons to live in a small town. Um, I interviewed, uh, Lakin James, who's a professional basketball player in Germany. And she said, um, her, she listed her top five, um, travel destinations, uh, there's who was it um another person i know said their top five quotes and so it can be and so and on two dope teachers and a mic we do top five rappers so it can be any of those things so do you have a top five i can also come up with a top five for you and then you can go through this you let me know how you want to proceed my goodness and top five I mean I could do I mean these are the fun things that I like to do but you know top five um you know I will um I will then go into my hobby then I'll top five reasons why everyone should be growing their own food right now yes oh I love this I love this so my, you, you have won my child's heart she wants us to grow everything and I'm like where do they even grow Snickers okay. I don't even know where we're gonna find Snickers seeds okay so okay. top five reasons Everyone should grow their own food. I there you love go. it. All right. So will this be hierarchical or will it just be the no, five? I'm just that- gonna do it as it comes to me, I'm just going to blurt it out. I love it. All right. That's how I roll. That's how I, I love roll. it. I love it. Expect nothing less. Okay. So the first thing, it is great for mental health. Anyone um, who, you know, even if you're growing in a little uh, container or, you know, something on your back patio, it's great for your mental health. Uh, and this is something that I do in my classroom because a lot of my kids struggle with empathy. A lot of my kids struggle with caring about themselves, but they care about their plants. Oh, and that's so, so great. You know, I had, it's, I, it's, you know, and you say that I had a student who, a ninth grader who grew her own garlic and was so <laughs> proud of herself and so excited. And I was like, wow, this, this has been really good for you. <laughs> it's uh, amazing. Yeah, it's, 
it is in some place to put that care when you're you know trying to when you're struggling um the next thing is is that the food just tastes better I mean, um if, if you're growing i'm sorry but a, a cucumber that is grown in your garden versus one at the store there's just there's can't go back can't go back yeah, my, my mother will be really happy to hear this because she grew of so much more of our food than I wanted her to. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, force fed it to us as, as children. So she is going to be very happy to hear this from me. She will say, see, Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So we have that. It's great for your mental health and the food yes. just tastes better. Okay. Yes. The third thing is, is that, um, if you were someone like me who worried about, um, food scarcity, and if you're food insecure, this is a way, uh, especially if you learn to can and dehydrate your food after you grow it, uh-huh. then it is it is a way that helps with that food insecurity. That's, that's really big. And that is probably why one of your favorite books is the Ball Complete Book of Home Preserving. Oh, Absolutely. I love that. You know, the, where, where my Denver Nuggets play is called Ball Arena and it's owned by the Ball Corporation. So there you go. All right. So, oh so it's, it's, so, and, and you're saying this in all seriousness that this is, yeah, this 100%. is a way to combat food insecurity. Yes. Um, because a, a lot of kids don't know where their food comes from. A lot of people don't know how, I mean, and I think that even during the pandemic, when the shelves were, you know, emptying and still now it's still hard to find things. Oh yeah. Supply chain. Meaning yeah. we don't want to pay people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well then fine. I'm going to take, fine. If you're not going to pay people, then I'm going to take that out of your hands and I'm going to empower my family to make sure that they're going to be okay and taken care of and my neighbors. And cause I'm going to make this a community thing. Okay. Yo, so, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Love that. So, right. so that's the third thing. The fourth thing is that plants don't talk back. <laughs> The plants and, don't talk back. I love and it. As someone who is an introvert who has to be an extrovert for their job. Wait, hold on. You you claim to be an introvert? I am 100% an introvert that has to be an extrovert for their job. And so when I have to go and unpeople, I go to my garden or um, I go to my greenhouse. Okay. And, and there is there is peace. There is peace there. And so I had you all wrong. I, I, you know, but you do a very good impression of an extrovert. <laughs> And, uh, you know? <laughs> but I've heard that I've heard that there's this unpeopling process that people have to do. Like this is the third I was telling you earlier. This is the third podcast interview I've done today, and uh, yeah. now I now I feel like I could just I could just talk all night at this point, you know. So I've, it's kind of charged my battery. So plants don't talk back. Um, they're a great right. unpeopling uh, process. Okay, and the final uh, one. Uh, the final thing is that just like with teaching. It is wonderful to plant seeds and see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I think I'm in control of that. I think that when I plant that, that plant is going to be wonderful and beautiful. But you know what? It might get attacked by bugs or it might it might not do as well or it might grow faster later on in the season, not when I planned it. And so you're planting seeds and you're, you're thinking you have control. You don't. You are enjoying the process of seeing what happens and so I think that that balance between gardening and teaching to me I think I love that. together oh I love that and you know and you can't obsess about the fruits of your labor you you know really you just have to plant the seeds and hope for the best you know and just yeah. kind of see what happens that reminds me of my, my you know again my mother my my granola girl mother um grew uh grew corn on the side of the house at one point and and she would just do kind of 
old, old school composting, just throwing the old food rinds and stuff like that. Well, she had thrown a bunch of watermelon seeds, like a, a bunch of watermelon rinds and that kind of stuff. And so when the corn came up, she had a whole bunch of watermelons. <laughs> and so yeah. this whole idea of just kind of seeing what happens um, after you've planted seeds, like that's so deep. Gina. You don't know. You don't know. And it's, and I'm sorry, but I got, I got it. I know that I'm not, not on too dope right now, but it's like Tupac. You know, when we talk about the rows that grew from concrete, you don't know what is going to happen. You don't know where it's going to grow, what things are going to bloom out of the most crazy, crazy circumstances. That's and right. so, yeah. That's right. Well, folks, this is um, my, my dear friend, Gina Nelson. Gina, thank you so much for being habitually disruptive with me tonight. <laughs> Um, oh, thank you. I adore you. And, uh, you know, we are all wishing you the best on this um, campaign and, and we will support you in any way that we can. And uh, folks, like uh, Gina said, if you want to learn more about Gina's campaign, whether you are living in Oklahoma and you have a decision to make or whether you are considering a run for a similar office. This, uh, this website is a really amazing way uh, that Gina humanizes herself. She, te she tells us things about her, her positions, but the things that make her really passionate. And it's just a really beautiful thing. So um, my name is Gerardo Munoz, uh, stay disruptive. And I hope you enjoyed um, our ill literacy this evening. Catch you next time. Peace.